thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 2 Samuel. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. Let's turn to uh, 2 Samuel uh, chapter 10. You remember, uh, last week we talked about um, Mephibosheth and uh, David went out, you know, to seek this, uh, you know, to kind of rekindle this or to show kindness, and it was because of his heart for Jonathan. And so he wanted to go back. He, you know, had all these battles, and there's kind of peace uh, around him, and he kind of just wanted, man, I, I just want to bless you know, because of the relationship I have with Jonathan, I want to bless anyone from that household. And I don't know if there's anybody alive. You know, this is completely the reverse of what goes on in their world and the way they would normally function. They would eradicate any enemy, anyone that they would go in and take the throne and they would eliminate anyone. That, that was the norm, but he sought to develop this relationship. We had a great time going through that. We saw great things that we could learn about even our own communion time and and just our fellowship with the Lord and the significance of that. And uh, Mephibosheth knew who he was. He knew he was lame. He was humble about it. He knew he lived in a, a shameful place. He, he knew uh, he was in that stuck in nothingness. He, he knew all of that. He knew who he was, and he received the blessing and experienced the benefits, right? Just tuck that away. Just remember that. Let's go on. Verse 1 of chapter 10. It happened after this that the king of the people of Ammon died. And Hanan, his son, reigned in his place. Now, Hanan was living large, okay? Just tuck that away, too. Hanan had a great life, man. He was doing really good, had all the niceties of everything for their world, was doing very well. And then David said, I will show kindness to Hanan, the son of Nahash, as his father showed kindness to me. So David sent by the hand of his servants to comfort him concerning his father, and David's servants came into the land of the people of Ammon. Now, we're clear on David's intent. Now, Hanan means, you remember, we talked about Mephibosheth, living shame. That's what his name meant. But Hanan means favored one. So he's living this favored life. He's got this, you know, he's, he's living real well. Uh, and Nahash, his father, has, has died, but Nahash had done David right at, at some point, and so he wanted to re, kind of return that. So he sent uh, his servants there to bring comfort and to just kind of be a blessing to Hanan. And the princes of the people, in verse 3, of Ammon said to Hanan, their Lord, Do you think that David really honors your father because he has sent comforters to you? Don't be a fool. This is what they're saying to him. Don't be a fool. Why is this guy, you know, wanting to bless you? Or why is this guy want to show kindness to you? You know, you really, you really think so? You really think that's what he wants to do? Show kindness to you? Putting doubt of what this whole intent is. Has David not rather sent his servants to you to search the city, to spy it out, and to overthrow it? David just wants to attack. David just, this is just a ploy to show fake kindness and all this stuff. And so, They've put this seed of doubt in Hanan's head. They've kind of just uh, given him really just evil counsel. It's, it's suspicious, isn't it? It's suspicious. It's, it's just bad stuff. 
You know, they're not receiving this at all. They just see it with suspicion and uh, are really deceived by this, this counsel that they've received, what the counsel Hanan received. So, therefore, Hanan took David's servants. So, in response to the counsel he got, bad counsel, and this is the response to the bad counsel. He acted upon the bad counsel that he got, and this is what he did. He shaved off half their beards. These are David's servants that were sent to be ministers of kindness, to bring comfort, right? That was what their intent was. And uh, they shaved off half their beards. Now, that doesn't sound that super drastic, but it's a, a real shameful thing, you know, to do that in their culture, uh, for them to, have, to be shaved at all. And so to shave off half their beard is just this double disgust, you know. And uh, they, they, he's shaming them, basically. Read on in verse 4. He also cut off their garments in the middle at their buttocks. So right at their butt, he cut them down the middle and then sent them away. So now they're running, you know, buck naked down the street, so to speak. Literally, you know, right? So they're shamed in all of this and they're sent away. Now think about it. The reason they went was to show kindness, to be a blessing, and all this stuff. They're sent on, on the king's behalf to do this to this, these people. And this is the way they're sent away. They're just shamed by it. In verse 5, when they told David, he sent to meet them because the men were greatly ashamed. And the king said, wait at Jericho until your beards have grown and then return. So David was cool to him, just said, hey, just kick back here and, you know, let this get worked out and grow back out. And then when the people of Ammon saw that they had made themselves repulsive to David, the people of Ammon sent and hired the Syrians of Beth Roab, the Syrians of Zobah, 20,000 foot soldiers from the king of Maka, uh, 1,000 men from Ishtab, 12,000 men. Then David heard of it. He sent Joab and all the army of the mighty men. And the people of Ammon came out and put themselves in battle array at the entrance of the gate. And the Syrians of Zobah, Bethroab, Ishtab, Maka were, were by themselves in the field. Then Joab saw the battle line was against him before and behind he chose some of Israel's best and put them in battle array against the Syrians and the rest of the people he put under command of Abishai, his brother. So Joab, under David's charge, went out, got in this battle array, but he saw what was happening. He said, man, we got, there's a couple of different fronts that are going on here. So you guys stay here. Abishai, his brother, he says, you take these guys and you go over there. This, this matters as, as we get into this. So they lined up in battle array against the Syrians, in verse 10, and the rest of the people he put under the command of Abishai, his brother, that he might set them in battle array against the people of Ammon. Then he said, if the Syrians are too strong for me, then you shall help me. But if the people of Ammon are too strong for you, then I will come and help you. Be of good courage. And let us be strong for our people and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what is good in his sight. What a great word. Man, sometimes the battle lines get drawn. Sometimes there's a struggle over here. Sometimes there's an issue over there. Sometimes there's these different things happening on different fronts, spiritually speaking. But the cool thing is, is we can be of support and encouragement to other people. 
I, I, I had something like that happen just this very day. I got a phone call today from someone that uh, I, I do ministry with and, and stuff, different part of the country. Called me up kind of out of the blue and just called me and was just talking and shared with me some things that God had put on his heart today. And they were the exact things that God spoke to me in my quiet time this morning. The exact things. And they were words that, it were good. It was words of encouragement, things that I needed to be affirmed with. It was, it was good stuff. But it was really interesting in the midst of battle lines and stuff. And God brings and has a way of bringing things alongside to encourage and strengthen us. And when there's a battle going on over here, this is all God's battle that we are engaged in oftentimes. We get so isolated in our thinking, and we think it's all about us, and then we start getting, busting out our pity party stuff and all this stuff, but hey, that's not what it's about. We're engaged as Christians in a battle, and there's a battle, well, let's say hopefully we're engaged. It's important to stay engaged, and we'll talk about that at the conclusion of our study tonight. Very important to stay engaged in the battle. But the battle lines are there. There's things going on all around us in different places. I love this idea. Man, if the Syrians, if, it's, if I start getting overtaken, come and help me. And if I see that you're getting overtaken, I'm going to come help you. It's a spirit of, of, of cooperative effort for one ultimate goal, and that's to see God get the glory. That, that's ultimately what this is all about. I like that in the conclusion. And may the Lord do what is good in his sight. Man, look at how he says, be, be of courage. You know, courage is an interesting term because courage is not a word that is, excludes fear. Fear is still there, but courage operates even in the midst of fear. Courage moves forward even though they, you, they, there may be fear connected to it, but it moves forward. It, it presses on. It keeps moving, stays engaged. And let us be strong for our people and for the cities of our God. What a great couple of verses. So Joab and the people who were with him drew near for battle against the Syrians, and they fled before him. And when the people of Ammon saw that the Syrians were fleeing, they also fled before Abishai and entered the city. So Joab returned from the people of Ammon and went to Jerusalem. And when the Syrians saw that they had been defeated... By Israel, they gathered together. Then Hadiazar sent and brought out the Syrians who were beyond the river, and they came to Helam and Shobach, and the commander of Hadiazar's army went before them. When it was told David, he gathered all Israel, crossed over the Jordan, and came to Helam. And the Syrians set themselves in battle array against David and fought with him. And then the Syrians fled before Israel, and David killed 700 charioteers. I like that one. And uh, 40,000 horsemen of the Syrians, and struck Shobach, the commander of their army, who died there. And when all the kings who were servants of Hadiezer saw that they were defeated by Israel, they made peace with Israel and served them. So the Syrians were afraid to help the people of Ammon anymore. So... David continuing to get these victories, isn't he? He's, he's uh, going out. Uh, the battles, you know, are engaged in, but they seem to just continue. God's with them. They continue to get the victory. In the midst of this, uh, in chapter 9, when we saw Mephibosheth, you know, just as a comparison before we get into this next little portion that we're going to spend some time on this evening. But in chapter 9, Mephibosheth, he humbled himself. He was broken. He knew he was lame. 
He was lame and knew it. And he was in need. That was Mephibosheth. Remember, man, we, we, that, that was who the guy was. He couldn't even, he had to have people help carry him to get him to the king's table. That was who he was. But he ends up blessed. The Lord, you know, God sees fit to connect him back with David. David seeks out this relationship with him. And he ends up eating regularly at, at the king's table. He's, he's blessed by, by what's gone on. How did that happen? He was humble. He was broken. He was lame, but he knew it. And he was in need, and he recognized his own need. Sound familiar? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Read, read through the, you know, the Beatitudes again and, and the Sermon on the Mount and just think through some of those things, especially in the Beatitudes and how it, it, it ties together. Because when you turn this around back over and you read chapter 10, which we just read, Hanan, again, the king just wanted to go and be a blessing. He sought out them to show kindness to them and be a blessing to them. One guy responded favorably, and because he was humble about it and everything, reaped the benefits of that, was blessed, and, and God just did good things in that situation. Hanan, on the other side, was proud, self-sufficient, and trusted in his own strength. He felt he had no need of the king's blessing. And what was the result? ends up basically destroyed. It, it's just so true, isn't it? Those who are thinking that they don't need God or don't want anything to do with God, and I, I guess there's some things to think about in that for us when we're interacting with people. When people are coming off and they're just arrogant and they're prideful and they're not willing to, you know, they don't want really the things of the Lord and stuff, you know, there's nothing wrong with sharing the gospel with them. That's good and everything. But generally, it's, it's not receptive. It, there's no, no one's receptive to that in that situation. There has to be some element of humility. This is why when you're praying for people, your friends, your family, uh, people you work with, people you like, people you dislike, whatever. But when you're praying for them, that God would make himself known to them. We've talked about the specifics of that prayer. When you're praying that way, make sure you continue to stay out of the way. Let the Holy Spirit have his way. I didn't say not have contact. I didn't say not have discussions. I didn't say, but let God be God. Don't coddle things. Don't, don't excuse things. Don't just let them be what they are, whatever that is, because God has a way ultimately of getting people's attention. God knows better than you and I know about what it takes for that person to ultimately respond to him. And God can make things allow things to transpire in people's lives to make things very uncomfortable. Some of us know that God will allow things to become very uncomfortable in our lives in order to get our attention, that we might then finally see God. It's better just let it be what it's going to be so that God can get the, the attention of that person so that then they can ultimately be stripped of their pride and in humility turn to God. That's really the desired end result. But sometimes we spend so much time trying to point out these things to people. That it, that's, that's not your job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. The Holy Spirit is the one that's going to make himself known to that person. The Holy Spirit's going to do that work. All we are is agents in this. We're just kind of conduit in these situations. A couple of things to note out of chapter 10, and then we'll move on to our, our last verse tonight. But in chapter 10, there's a couple of things to think about. In that first verse, 
The, uh, the servants were sent out to show kindness. So just like you and I, really, when we're out doing something on, on the Lord's behalf as servants of the living God, our role is really to be there to show kindness, to display love and grace. These are a few things you might think about or jot down or make note of, because in verse 2, that's really what they were sent to do. Then David said, I will show kindness to Hanan, the son of Naash, as his father showed kindness to me. So David sent by the hand of his servants to comfort him concerning his father. So he wanted to bring comfort. This is what God sends his spirit to do those exact same things. God sent his son to do that in our lives, to bring ultimately comfort, to show kindness, to display love and grace. And you and I, as ambassadors of the Lord, are to do that same kind of thing. But we, just like them, sometimes find themselves in verse uh, 3, falling prey to the schemes of others and their you know, attitudes about what our motive might be and, and all of that because they uh, obviously uh, tried to, you know, the worldly friends or whatever. Oh, yeah, they just want you to go to church. They want you to be like them. They just, you know, all the stuff that gets in people's minds that aren't familiar with anything that has to do with God. But the God comes alongside of us. God's wanting to make himself real to us. And it's because God loves us. He wants to show kindness and grace toward us. That's his desire. He wants to bless us. That's what he wants to do. But it's not always received in that light. It's just not always going to go that way. You and I are still to go as agents of kindness in that sense. We're supposed to go with love and grace. We're still supposed to do the things that God calls us to do. But we have to know that sometimes the response may be that people try and shame us. You remember? They uh, seek to offend us sometimes or to put us down for our faith and our walk with the Lord. Look at the... Basically, the, the world view or the view of society overall toward Christianity is increasingly becoming um, somewhat hostile in a sense or very anti what you and I would believe as, as Christians. It's just turning into that. And so oftentimes we experience that same kind of shame and, and that kind of stuff. I like this uh, that the king's response, though, just like God's response, just like David here, is a great example to us. He didn't see him in that way. He knew what had happened, and uh, the people, these guys didn't need to try and defend themselves. Sometimes you and I spend a lot of our time trying to defend ourselves. The Lord is our defense. We're to show kindness. And we're to do what God's called us to do. And we don't even need really to explain all that that much. If it's in love, in grace, we're in line with the Lord. So it's kind of a peaceful thing, and it doesn't need to be anything but that. But it's not always going to be received that way. So when it's not received that way, and people then try and shame us or kind of, you know, send us away, you know, well, that's just a stupid idea or that's just whatever the terms might be that are thrown our direction, kind of trying to put down our convictions and our belief in the one true living God. I like the king's response. One, the Lord 
really is our defense, and the king really came in their defense, and the king also, just like God does with us, after that kind of stuff, sometimes just says, hey, wait at Jericho until your beards have grown, and then return. Hey, sometimes you just need to spend some quiet time and get restored in the Lord. Sometimes we just need to hang out with God and just let God minister to us and let God be God. Let God touch and, and, and speak and, and, and heal those areas that we just need to be touched. Because sometimes, I mean, it's wounding sometimes. I understand. It really is. People can say some very cutting, hurtful things to us as believers and, and really try to deface what it is that we believe. And, and I understand that. And, and even come at us with suspicion of why we're even talking with them about it, you know? But when we come at it from the right heart, you can stand on good ground. The Lord is your defense. And you know what? The Lord will also allow you the respite. The thing is, is you got to take it. You got to take time to be with the Lord or else you'll be running your batteries down too far. And that's what I find that happens sometimes and we got to be really careful of it is you give out in these kind of situations. You better, it's your responsibility. As an individual believer, it's your responsibility to make sure you're taking in that you're taking in, not just information, but that you're actually being fed from the Lord, that you're receiving from him. I mean, this is part of what we do. This is why we want to spend time in his word. We want to be fed the word. I don't want to talk about just soulish things all the time because soulish messages are just this. Soulish messages tickle our intellect. Soulish messages tickle our funny bone. Soulless messages tickle our kind of our emotions and toy with us a little bit. And we can kind of feel good about stuff and warm and fuzzy about things, or we can be angry about things, or we can but all the different emotion that can be stirred. But that doesn't mean that you may have heard a message, but you may not have really heard a message from God's word. See, the difference is a soulish thing and being fed God's word are two different results. The spirit man of the presence of God that dwells within us is hungry for the nutrition that comes from God's word. Because God's word tells us exactly the truth, not just who we think we want to be seen as, but who we really are. And that's good, that's good for us. Because as we dine on that and we, we get built up and encouraged, there's a washing of the water of the word that happens. Our minds and our hearts can be cleansed. We can be renewed in our journey with the Lord through the nutrition that comes from the Word. Hi, this is Pastor Jim. I know a lot of times as we listen to the Word, sometimes we really get convicted by God's Word. And you know, there's those times where we really need to repent and give our lives over to the Lord. The Bible, it says, for the wages of sin is death. You know, death is something, this, this destructive force, and it's this thing that, you know, our, our bodies are in this slow decay process, and, and, you know, ultimately we all are going to have a physical death, but spiritually you don't have to die. We would die in our sin if not for the gift of God, and that's eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so we want to receive that gift. We don't want to be paid the wages of our sin. We want to have everlasting life. And so you can pray this simple prayer of faith. If you've been 
you know, listening and just hearing and just knowing that, man, God's tugging on your heart and you just know that there's something more to this life. Well, God wants to make himself real to you, just like he's done in my life as I was once troubled and struggling and distant from God, partying, trying to drown all my, all my sorrows as it were. But, but the, you know, the Lord is there and he loves you and wants to meet you right where you're at. Just pray this simple prayer along with me. It doesn't matter whether you're driving or out on a walk, just with your earbuds in, just in, in a place where you can listen on your computer, wherever you might be. If you're listening to this right now, you can pray this simple prayer and have everlasting life. Jesus, I want to ask that you'd forgive me of all my sin. I want to ask that you would come into my heart and be my personal Lord and Savior. I give my life to you. I don't want the wages of sin, which is death, but I want the gift of God, eternal life in Christ Jesus, my Lord now. I'm thankful, Lord, for your forgiveness, and I just ask that, Lord, as I start this new life, you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit, that my life might please you and bring you glory. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, the service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountains.